podcast about being a woman today. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the mad. This is Christine and Maria. doing great this morning are you i'm good now still recovering from food poisoning i got whoa what happened i was at a really nice restaurant so the food poisoning didn't happen there it was park you know which is one of my favorites here in london but then we went for a drink at children firehouse it's also a nice place but i ordered alcohol-free drink because i can't drink alcohol and i'm never ordering an alcohol-free drink again because there's no point you might as well just have like water or soda or yeah. it's not even good there maybe it was like yeah i don't know the ice or the bacteria in the bar or i'm not sure but i was sick all night oh no and it was just you know regular food poisoning is bad enough but when you're pregnant it's even worse because then you get so scared yeah so i was like oh no something's gonna happen to the baby then i went to the doctor the next day and he he was like you're fine and he checked the baby and he said as long as it was over i should be fine yeah but i went into ketosis you know this diet yeah yeah so he measured my urine mm -hmm. and he said that it was fine in, in every way except i was going into ketosis so my body was starting to burn fat oh because i had so little energy left mm -hmm. i can't imagine being on this diet i mean that must be awful yeah i don't know so much about it to be honest you know it's low carb extreme you can't even have fruit or wow really 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 low carb and then you you end up going into ketosis and that means you take from the body's fat storage it doesn't sound too great and also you get a really bad breath i've heard oh really <laughs> no but i mean uh, i haven't really tried so many diets but, but you know i, I try i read the news and and see what's moving but in general i'm i'm not a big fan of diet and there's always new diets that's a tricky topic you know in many ways but eating clean or eating just food that is actually food uh is I believe, an advantage. What do you mean food that is actually food? Like what is food that is not food? That the fish you eat is actual fish, not processed vegetables that you see is a vegetable. I think that's a problem with a lot of the vegetarian options now. I, I have eaten a lot of them, and but I just, you never know what's in them. It's like, it's hard to tell. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's heavily processed. Absolutely. Of course, you can make your own vegetarian burgers. Absolutely. And you can also just, yeah, you know, make stuff from, from the ground up. You used to be a vegetarian, but you're not anymore, right? Well, I used to be a vegetarian for, and a vegan for a period also for, so for almost seven years, seven, eight years. Then what happened was that we were in Bali. I was teaching a yoga retreat in Bali. And <laughs> at one of the last dinners we had there, we were there for a month. One of the last dinners, I was like, geez, I think I, I, I want chicken. Like, I think I'm going to have chicken. <laughs> and my husband's like, okay, well, sure, go ahead, you know, have some chicken. And little did I know that I was pregnant then. And I just, I did, just didn't know, but my body was like, have chicken. <laughs> yeah, so that's when it changed. And um, I mean, we, we really try to eat mostly vegetarian. We do eat uh, quite some fish, 
the occasional meats for sure. You know, like I said, I'm not a fan of diets in the sense of being fanatic about anything, but I'm very much a fan of uh, supporting our nature and our uh, environment. Here uh, up in Buda, you know, my husband says sometimes he's like, I cannot understand how all the food gets up here because it's far, you know, it's super far north. And um, now, of course, we have a lot of vegetables um, available, but I remember also when we were small, there was not the most crazy selection of of vegetables. You know, it's mostly the vegetables that you will find uh, locally and seasonally. And I do remember this from growing up that we had, uh, I mean, my parents still do this. They make seasonal foods from scratch. You know, there's like in the autumn, uh, because of the moose hunt, uh, my dad gets a half a moose and he prepares it. Also in the fall, there's the lamb's meat. In certain months of the year, it's the codfish. And they also prepare the codfish, storing it for, for later years. So there's a lot of these seasonal foods happening still here. And certainly was when, when we grew up. Yeah, my dad is storing the cod in the balcony in some installation. Yeah. He dries it and salts it and then he can eat it as bacalao, mm -hmm. which is quite tasty. It's very tasty. It's a lot of good foods. And I, I really appreciate it to grow up like that, I have to say, because my parents brought on, you know, how to make a lot of seasonal things from what grows around in the area. And in that sense, also honoring nature's cycles since we grew up till now so much crazy has happened quite insane you know this selection of food you mean that it's so much and it travels so it's far so much it travels so far but like you said also you don't know exactly what it is that you eat you know why on earth do we have avocados here above the arctic circle that come all the way from south america Once you have kids, you start thinking about like how you grew up and how it's different. Yeah, what do you find is the main difference? We had a lot of freedom. We just we used to travel to my grandparents every Easter, and I wanted to hang out with my sister and my cousin because they were older. They were four years older. So that was really cool for me, and they didn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> they made me sign a contract. They drew up a contract, and in this contract, it was like, so you're not allowed to tell about what we do to the parents. You're not about to tell on us. You you have to do everything we say it's like a very bad contract for me and I was like sure where did I sign yeah. and I signed it and then we were making because we had every Easter we had this Easter show for our parents and then it developed into Easter videos yeah we were making a music video and then they wanted me to be Dr. Alban because I could dance a little bit already <laughs> and then I was lip-syncing to Dr. Alban and they wanted me to be dark in the skin mm -hmm. they wanted me to look more like him so they had the great idea of using shoe polish, black shoe polish in my face. So they rubbed me in black shoe polish and then put sunglasses on. And then I had this dance and <laughs> lip sync too. And I was really happy about everything. And I think it was really healthy, all the freedom we had. And now I think it's so, especially for me, maybe for you it's different because you live in Norway. Mm -hmm. And especially in a small town, you can probably still be a little bit more... Yeah. 
loose with how you let the children walk around but I could never let my children walk around freely here and it's different you have I feel like we're more careful with the children and more hysterical Mm -hmm. yeah and we have to be but looking back I I think I used when I was with my babysitter I used to sit on her lap in the car Mm -hmm. she was just holding me and because of that I didn't want to get strapped so when my mom tried to strap me in the seat I was like no 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 no. so I couldn't she couldn't even take a ride with me but I mean that's like that wouldn't happen now you wouldn't take a kid and just put it on your lap in the car I think in the 80s they started to realize like oh might be a good idea to kind of attach the children with belts in the back of the car but it's true it was a lot more free and then I think in the 90s this hysteria started to come a little bit more you know where it started to be more careful with the children and what can happen to them and protecting them and and then 2000s I don't know the terminology in English but you know where you kind of saw the pillows under the arms of the children and just really be like hawks over them and watch them yeah you I mean you have different terms you have like helicopter parenting and you have curling parenting I think helicopter parenting is that's a lot of parents they kind of hoover over the children just watching everything yeah I think it's very healthy for the kids to play alone without anyone watching Mm -hmm. them it kind of it's a different feeling isn't it when you're playing alone and you know you can no one's watching you absolutely you're right i mean here it's much easier to do that here in buddhist small smaller city and uh, when we lived in amsterdam with our children for a while that was also certainly not possible i mean both in the sense that i was in the hormonal phase of our youngest war he was just about more than a year so I was still very much alert, you know, uh, which is totally exhausting. But then there is, of course, traffic everywhere. They will fall in a canal or, you know, someone hit them with a the bike or, you know, it's just mayhem felt like. And here, I mean, now we obviously we live in a, in a, a big uh, house where there's a huge garden around and the woods in the back. And, and I certainly do um, encourage them strongly to be outside. They go bicycling alone in the street and run along to France and sometimes I don't really know exactly where they are but it's fine you know Um, I do we do you know there are certain things here though we had uh, there was like one Sunday morning I just you know they got up so early so already at nine you know just over nine they were like climbing the walls almost and being totally crazy I was like seriously guys you know get out of here (laughs) go into the garden go out and play you know and first, the oldest one went out. He was seven at the time. Out he went. And then I had to help the youngest one to get dressed, you know, with all this outside gear that is required here. <laughs> and just before I was about to open the door to, to let the youngest one out, the oldest one came running in with the biggest eyes ever. And he was like, Mom, Mom, there's a moose in the garden. <laughs> I literally threw out the children to the moose. <laughs> So always check your garden for moose always before you let them out. Always check the garden for moose. That's that's the rule. You know, that's you know, we have the wilderness here. No, it it went fine, totally fine. I mean, the moose. But the moose can actually be aggressive if it's uh, certain times of year. Or... But most of the time, they are not very interested. So it's only if you kind of surprise them. But we have a lot of moose actually around our house. We've seen a couple actually this week. So it's interesting. Hmm. You know, there are different kinds of scary situations from big city to a smaller city you know we have a lot of foxes you do a lot of foxes mm-hmm. do they come into the trash bin and stuff like that do you come look for food yeah mostly the squirrels do that the squirrels here are hugely aggressive they you know the trash bins that are made of really really thick plastic yeah. 
the squirrels chew holes in them. Oh, wow. Well, the first time we saw a squirrel in the garden here, we just moved from, you know, busy high street, Kensington high street. So we were like totally loving living more in the countryside here in Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. And we saw a squirrel in the garden. We were like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and then we started feeding it nuts. Oh, no. And then we read about the squirrels. Mm -hmm. And then we took away the nuts. Mm -hmm. and we closed the door. If they come into your house you are screwed. They're going to just ruin everything. They are really aggressive. Brown squirrels and you have gray mm -hmm. ones. And these are the gray ones. And they are the aggressive ones. And uh, I think they are worse than the fox. But I think the fox can also go in the trash. Yes. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's hungry as well. And also, I've actually read about a few cases where the fox have killed children because they go in the stroller and they lay up on the on the baby. Oh. Or they... In some cases, they have snuck into the house and they <laughs> snuck in the bed and bit the baby. Is this happening in, 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 in Wimbledon in England? Yeah, that was in England. Yeah, but I don't know if it was in Wimbledon. I don't think so. The difference of, of now when you have children, you're about to have your second child. How do you feel about, you know, the, this being scared or have fear that something will happen to your children? Or do you feel that you're like, how does that affect you? Well, I think it's going to be better the second time because the first time when we got home from the hospital, we were both hysterical and we were so frightened. We we stayed up all night staring at the baby and we were crying. We didn't know what to do. We were like, oh no, it's a wrong carpet. Oh no, it's a wrong bed. We were so worried. And then we continued to be worried for quite some time before we gradually calmed down. Mm -hmm. It's a frightening thing coming home from the hospital with a human being. Mm -hmm. And now we've been through that once. Mm -hmm. I just take for granted it's going to be easier the second time. Like the first time I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any expectation of everything being easy and wonderful, but I didn't have any bad expectations either. I just didn't know what to expect. And that's why I think it was a little bit of a shock. But the second time I know how it was the first time. So I don't have any like very positive or negative expectations this time either. But I know it's going to be hard with the sleep and I, I just kind of brace myself and it goes by so quickly does, so yeah but you never know what's gonna happen I mean every child is different yeah the level of, of anxiety in that sense or anxiousness more is not so high and did you think it was very different with your two children it was a world of difference because the first one you know yeah the sleep deprivation was of course hard but I could take rest when when he took rest I could find a balance but then when We had the second, even though um, they're almost three years apart. First of all, the labor was extremely different. So I was already after the, the labor because the first one was super fast. Second yeah. one was very long and I was already exhausted from that. And I didn't feel like I, I recovered. And I came home and then there was just like, yeah, then of course there is another child there that also wants your attention and you want to, you know, spend time with where I with the first one had rested when he rested with the second one i would spend time with the older one so you think it was worse the second time it's not good <laughs> well i you know for me it was it was worse in the sense that i got more exhausted for me what was just i think 
detrimental was that sleep deprivation because I, I, it was hard. It was super hard. And I just felt like I never could have time to recover in one way or the other. And we all know that sleep deprivation, you don't need to have more than um, a couple of days, three days with a broken sleep in the night before you really start uh, noticing effects, both cognitively and mentally and physically for me at that time i was definitely going through a harder time with the second one but hey like i said it's individual this is not very uplifting you know it is what it is like you said you don't really have any expectations positive or negative what is true is that you will manage to get through it very nicely yeah that's one thing i learned about becoming a parent that you can plan things that's why i'm not planning or expecting mm-hmm. so much because you can plan things this and this you can plan that you're going to make your own food you can plan and then you don't know how the kid is yeah. going to be you don't know how you're going to be things are probably not going to be how you plan them like if you have the ability to take things a little bit as they come and be flexible i think that's what makes it easier for you to be a parent you set yourself up for difficulty if you create expectations or imagine how it will be and then you know it turns out completely differently so it's good to keep check in with yourself like what do you actually have expectations or do you have also in practicality everything you need around you to to be ready for this next phase we might have to move hopefully if we have to move we can move in good time before the baby comes and you don't know that yet no we don't know yet When the baby comes, you want to have everything ready Mm -hmm. with all the little clothes and everything. Yeah, it becomes like a little world of its own. You're in a little bubble. I hope you will feel better after the food poisoning. I already feel better. I already feel like I can appreciate food in a new way. Because you know when you have food poisoning, you feel like you're never (laughs) going to eat again. And the day after, all I ate was watermelon. When I'm feeling sick, that's all I can eat. It's always Mm -hmm. fresh. Now I'm back to eating. Wonderful. Well, have a very eatful joyous weekend and then i will eat lots and talk to you soon bye bye